Today is the end of season three of the Empowerment Zone. And today we are empowering you in the workplace. Toxic work environments, they are the fundamental reason so many women of color are unhappy and unfulfilled and are not as productive as they could and should be at work. If you are interested in figuring out ways to create, a, create more meaning in your work despite a negative environment, I'm sure you will enjoy my guest today, Ebony Little. Welcome to the Empowerment Zone with Ramona Houston, where we zone in on black and brown relations and our journey to empowering our communities. I have an enlightening conversation with Ebony about her personal journey to finding joy at work. She shares strategies that women of color can utilize to create peace for themselves at work, as well as strategies for helping their leadership to transform work environments so that others may enjoy their work as well. I believe that individuals and company leaders can benefit greatly from our conversation. Ebony makes a valuable business case for transforming company culture, which is what diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility is all about. Ebony is the program director at the National African American Insurance Association. Enjoy our conversation and see no show notes for more information about Ebony. As always, please subscribe to the Empowerment Zone podcast and give us a rating on Apple Podcast. Your support will ensure that we continue our journey in empowerment and impact. Enjoy our conversation. And with this episode, we are ending season three of the Empowerment Zone. We will be on vacation during the month of August. Take August to enjoy previous episodes. And we will return on September 4th with a new season of great episodes focused on empowerment and impact. Hello, I hope everyone is doing well out there. I am uh, just had a great weekend myself. And today I'm even more excited uh, that I'm getting ready to talk uh, to a guest about women and all the experiences we have at work that make work environments very difficult especially for women of color. And so um, we're just going to have a real conversation and hopefully this conversation will inspire some of uh, my listeners to really figure out some strategies so that they can have purposeful and fulfilling work. That's what all of us want. And we want to have joy at work. And so today, my guest is uh, Ebony Little. Uh, welcome to the Empowerment Zone, Ebony. I'm so excited about talking to you, especially about this topic. Welcome to the Empowerment Zone. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I am super excited to be here. And I know people say that, you know, probably it's something to say, but when you're invited to be uh, in a space like this and it's like a no judgment zone, it's a, it's a really a safe space to be in. Uh, it really is a privilege because it is not afforded to everyone. And uh, I'm honored to have 
uh, been given the invitation. Well, thank you so much for accepting the invitation. you know the word, many are called, but few are chosen. You have to choose to accept the call. And um, I, I'm happy that you chose to accept this call and that you followed your spirit. I know you changed your topic a couple of times, and this one is a very moving topic. And so I'm happy that you chose uh, this topic. Uh, so uh, before we get into this deep conversation, uh, <laughs> can you tell me a little bit about yourself? I know very little about you. You know, your background, you know, your uh, your personal and professional journey to getting to where you are right now? What can I say? I mean, I'm 46 <laughs> years old. Um, and I've been uh, in on a career path for the better part of 20, uh, 25 years, um, starting in the customer service, you know, industry uh, and in a call center. Um, you know, people just being a passion of mine and in a in a in a servitude uh format you know I enjoy helping people I am a a servant of God and I am uh in turn a servant of the people so being in customer service was no was not a far stretch for me um and I am excited to say that I am the National Program Director for NIA, which is an acronym for National African American Insurance Association. Um, but I came to this spot because of having to deal with, uh, in part, finding joy in my workspace. Mm-hmm. And I am a mother of four children, grown now. They... Um, my last just graduated uh, from high school <laughs> at the age right. of 18. Yeah, my last one. And um, and they all did it. My God, somebody said, you're a single mom and you have four children and they all made it through high school. No jail. No. Yeah. No, no pregnancy and all that stuff. Yes. Yeah, they did that. And that, you know, I, I took that part, you know, for granted, you know, for whatever reason. But it is an accomplishment that unfortunately and not a lot of mothers can uh, can can share, and um, but that's a topic for another time. But I am in this space uh, as the program director, due in part to my season at my former job, where I was constantly seeking ways to find joy at work. Uh, hence our topic for today, which is probably why I went ahead and changed it from the first one to begin with, because this one I feel like I have a little bit more of a voice uh, uh, for it. So. Um, here I am. So you say you changed jobs for joy. So tell me, what what do you want to feel? How do you describe joy at work? Like, what is it that you seek from work that you could define something as an environment of joy and one that is not? Ooh. Um, you know, we... You can't find um, your joy in other people. You really do have to find that joy and happiness uh, from yourself, knowing yourself and knowing who you are and whose you are on top of that. Um, And for me, finding joy uh, in uh, passion projects, things that truly drove me, drove my creativity, 
drive my creativity as it were. Uh, and, and that is uh, uh, surrounded um, by helping people. It, it's all connected to, you know, me being a servant of the people. So, you know, I found I, I was constantly, you know, in the space where I'm curating experiences, you know, for people with, you know, different subject matter, uh, subject matter expertise curating experiences for them to express themselves and be their most authentic self. Um, but the environment that I did it at times was just kind of hard to do that in. Mm -hmm. So in order for me to deal with the environment, I plunged myself into the passion project of the people, creating these experiences for them to you know, come in and, you know, have their aha moments and share themselves, you know, with people and, you know, get the visibility that they, you know, are looking for, you know, as a byproduct, you know, of, of the company and, and you know, their value proposition. I created experiences to help, you know, to help do that. Um, so my joy was there just in, in really doing what I do and for the people, not necessarily for the company all the time. But for the people that I came in content, I, I consider myself a connector of people. And in doing that, you know, building those relationships, you get to find out, you know, so much about things that they forgot, bringing back to their remembrance, you know, the things that make them unique in their own right. And you can't get them to stop talking once that happens, you know, <laughs> you can't get them to not, you know, truly let their true self shine once they start remembering what made them either come to this point or what makes them their most true authentic self. And that is the part that I really do enjoy being, you know, being a part of. You know, um, I have stated several times before we got on the call that I really, really like the topic you, you chose about um, women of color finding joy at work. And here you're explaining that your joy comes from serving others and helping others to um, achieve what they want to achieve through the programming that you create, right? So how, what, how do you think other women, particularly when you see the toxic environment that women of color face and women in general, all women, but women of color specifically face in uh, their work environments. How do you think, what can we do to find more joy in our work in toxic environments? Gosh, first, you know, it takes a lot of courage to really kind of stand up and say that this environment is toxic. You need to acknowledge it, first of all. You know, I, and, and I, I'm having some transparent moments as I sit and I think about, you know, certain answers to this and how I, you know, maybe tiptoe around, you know, exposing the former environment for what it was, but it's something that I didn't do outright. It's something that I did passively, you know, uh, as kind of a, a rebellion, you know, um, against, you know, to, uh, against what was going on. I had to, the projects that I was assigned to, you know, again, while they were meant to help the people and the environment was 
was not conducive to it, I did not take the time to say that this environment was bad. It was, you know, I, I met it in a way that just was not healthy. So I would, first of all, encourage you, encourage women to, number one, know where you are, know the people that are around you. The Bible says, know them that labor among you and go find a champion you know, some uh, uh, find a champion of you, find somebody that you can talk to about what's going on so they can hopefully even mentor you and give you some advice that, you know, that, that you could use to get through, get and and and, uh, and, and navigate that space. That's not, and, and sometimes that doesn't exist where you are. Sometimes it does not exist in the immediate space. You know, you have to, you know, go, you know, outside of the organization. Uh, hopefully you have a squad, you know, uh, that you go to somebody that, you know, can really tell you, you know, what it is, you know, like it is and be open and honest with you about that. And they can give you good advice, but first and foremost, acknowledge it, you know, and, and don't be afraid of that because at the end of the day, you're the one that's making the choice to go back. You're the one that's making the choice to stay in that space. And, if you're making the choice to stay in that space for whatever reason, is it if it's family, if it's you know uh, the the pros the possibility of forward movement, you're making the choice to deal with all the things that come with it. That is the toxicity. That's you know the the good and the bad days. You're making that choice to deal with it, and how you deal with it is therein lies the proverbial question. So, if you're making that choice and you do stay. You need to make it so that you are, it, it's a win-win situation for you and everybody else that is around you, hopefully, but more for you. You need to get it right for you because you are no good to anybody else if you cannot, you know, make it so that you're presenting your most authentic self and to constantly be faced with the toxic environment that, you know, you, you feel like you're stuck in. No, you're not stuck. You don't have to be stuck. You can choose to rise above that or get out or make the best of it, whatever, but you are not stuck. And it took me a long time to know that I wasn't stuck. It took me honestly, really leaving mm. know that I was not stuck. You know, you raise a big issue that, uh, challenge that women, and I would say anyone has, uh, on a job when they see things that are wrong, they have Many people, we have challenges speaking up, right? Yeah. Uh, and you talked about being passive, you know, addressing addressing issues in a very passive way. Mm -hmm. Well, how can uh, women be more um, proactive and more uh, aggressive <laughs> about addressing issues uh, on the job? without feeling that they are putting their careers on the line or is there, or can you do that? Is there, is, can you do that in a work environment, speak up and speak out without having some se severe personal consequences? Because you talked about how, you know, for lack of a better word, you found, um, uh, well, let's just use the word passive. You found passive ways of addressing things. Is there any way you, women can be more active in what they do? 
in addressing challenges? I'm going to say it like this. Psychological, being psychologically safe is real. Mm -hmm. If your work environment is not set up to where you are feeling psychologically safe, uh, you need to find somebody in your HR department to address that with if you don't feel comfortable going to your immediate supervisor uh, and, and address it. Because we already, as Black women, we're coming in with these deficits. Number one, we are Black. Number two, we are women. Uh, number three, we already have uh, these uh, microaggressions, you know, that are, are at the foot of, of who we are, period. You know, angry Black woman syndrome, you know, and and and, thing, and labels like that. We already are coming in, you know, with with these with these issues. And for me, it's and and I'm maybe I'm you know somebody would disagree and say, oh, it's not a deficit, it's not an issue. But no, we are coming in with these things that people that do not look like us, you know, immediately have a challenge with. So, if you're in an environment that you don't feel seen, you don't feel heard, you don't feel like your ideas are being received and accepted, that you can't move forward, you know, with a project. You know, simply because you you feel like somebody is going to come at you the wrong way or they are not going to receive it. Why are you you you've, you cannot just sit back and be quiet about that. You do need to find somebody that can address the overall issue, not just with you, because I'm quite sure you're not the only one there that's having this problem. You need to find somebody that you can talk to that can come in and do an assessment for everybody in that space. And if they're not willing to do that, I'm telling you, it does affect the bottom line. It does affect it. You need to let them know this is going to affect your bottom line in terms of people, good people staying or leaving, you being one of them. So how do you address that? You go talk to somebody and do it quickly. Because if 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 the job itself is something that you are passionate about and you care about it and you want to stay, then you are going to do something to protect it. And if you're not, then, you know, let somebody else, let, let the powers that be know that too, so they can bless you to move on, help you transition out of there. But do not feel like you need to stay, you know, you know, or, or be afraid, you know, because you, you feel like some, your job is going to be in jeopardy. No, there's so much out there. You just need to tap into it. You just need to, you know, number one, educate yourself, you know, about what is about opportunities that you can prepare yourself for. So talk to somebody. Do not feel like you just have to, you know, sit there and probably for a really not so nice way of saying it, bend over and take that. Absolutely not. You're not built that way. You weren't built to, you know, stand there and suffer unnecessarily if that is indeed what's happening. Yeah, you have some great points. Uh, several things came out. You know, you talk about the importance of mentors and uh, helping you navigate your situation. And mentors can be inside of your organization or outside of it. Having advocates, you know, and champions, people who can actually help you in addressing the issues. Because if you're experiencing it, like you just stated, a lot of other people uh, maybe experiencing those same um, 
issues on the job. And so if you have people uh, internally that can help champion or champion the, these issues that it's like you have partners and allies that can assist uh, in uh, addressing the challenges on the work uh, in the workplace. Yes. And then I thought uh, that advice about making the business case. I mean, if there is a uh, if people are not happy on the job, they're not able to be productive. You know, the relationships matter. When people are happy, they produce. <laughs> and so, busy. yeah, yeah. So talk more about the business case. I mean, it, you think about it, you know, people that are on the job 20, you know, 30 plus years. I really don't think that we'll ever see those days anymore. You know, of people just having that kind of longevity on the job. Um, and I feel like the ones that have been doing it that long, they are happy. They are satisfied with their work. Um, the environment that they're in, you know, it, it they want to come to work every single day. You know, when it's raining, when it's shining, when, you know, good days and bad, you know, they have you know, bosses that believe in them, pour into them, you know, they, they, they have bosses that take care of them, you know, when it comes down to their family needs, you know, even their personal, you know, their actual work, you know, environment needs, if they need a class or something that, you know, they, that is going to elevate them, a boss is going to say, hey, you know, sign up for this, I got you. And I know there are a whole lot of business and technical terms that go along with that or would state that better. But the bottom line is, they're in an environment that believes in both work and home life balance. And they give them those opportunities. And anybody that is afforded that, they're like, okay, why in the world am I leaving? It's not all, the grass is not always greener on the other side. I have no reason to leave. My boss is not giving me a reason to leave. He's giving me every reason to stay. And now it, it, I just don't, you know, see that, as much or see that transitioning the way that it did when we were coming up, you know, and in, in, in this new age, you know, and I, I just don't see it like that because we are, you know, still going through, you know, bouts with systemic racism and, 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 you know, marginalized groups that don't feel like they're being seen and heard in the workplace. And we're having to write, rewrite and rewrite rules on how we can all, you know, adapt and get along with each other. It's like, there's too much opportunity and, and too many areas where folks can venture into where they can find that, ultimately find that, that safe space, that place where they can be everything that they want and need to be and feel like good productive citizens of society. Bosses have to realize that people really do matter to their bottom line when it comes to their business. And if they are not happy, yeah, they're going to find that happiness somewhere else. Yes, it does begin within, but you're also looking at the things that drive that behavior, you know, when it comes down to your work happiness, you know, and if these, if you've got bosses around you that are not in some point, in some way, shape or form, mentoring you, coaching you, developing you to be what they, you know, what, you, what they would want to be the best fit for their company, then what's the point? They can go ahead and, and you know, find, you know, uh, other places or the, what that that offer that type of environment and be exactly what it is that they're looking for. So it is it's it's worth a, a, a executive teams 
to really look into psychological safety of their employees. It's worth it to the executive teams to make sure that the people are around them are receiving the right training, that they're keeping up with trends, you know, and, and technology and, you know, workplaces, you know, that allow them to do their jobs at the best, you know, to, uh, to peak capacity. It's worth it to invest in that and making sure that, you know, the integrity that goes behind that, you know, the value system that goes behind that is, is seen in every aspect of their job through that mentoring, through that offering of, you know, education, through, you know, just, you know, safe spaces where they can talk about their problems without the, um, the threat of retaliation. You know, if they're coming to you with an issue, it's obviously because they want to make sure that, you know, this is, exists, you know, but I still want to be here. I'm not just going to take this as I've got a problem. I don't have to take it. I'm leaving. No, they want you to address it so they can stay. They want to address it so they can, this can no longer be an issue because they love working here. You know, you make a great point that people, when they bring issues to the table, they're actually wanting it corrected so that they, that the environment is corrected. Not that they're just trying to be troublemakers, so to speak, but they're actually trying to make the situation better. And a lot of times we are adverse to hearing critiques. And uh, work environments, and like you said, the executive teams need to be open to listening and getting the feedback and then using that feedback to make the appropriate changes internally within their organization. But more so, I really, really like your message about uh, getting executive teams and management involved uh, in proactively in creating great environments. A lot of times, you know, you know, when we approach this topic, I'm thinking, hey, what can we do as an individual, as a worker, right? As an employee. But no, you're saying, yes, these are, yes, these are some things you can do as an individual and as an employee, but hey, these are things that the organization can do. These are things that the leadership can do uh, to make uh, sure that women of color and other um, all groups in the works in in the workplace uh, feel welcomed, feel engaged, feel involved and, and feel like they're appreciated uh, at the work. Employee resource groups were created a long time ago for issues such as this. Mm -hmm. and, yep. You know, the management the, to going back to the management teams and the leadership teams, they need to make sure that those employee resource groups are supported on every single level. You know, you find out where hidden talent is, you know, through an employee resource group. You find, you know, the people that are involved in that, they are like boots on the ground, you know, internally, you know, for uh, for the people. So if there are issues that, you know, are coming up that aren't necessarily, you know, talked about openly, but, you know, uh, kind of done in a taboo fashion, these employee resource groups can, you know, say, hey, sir, ma'am, there's this is brewing down here. This this is a foot down here. I'm going to need you to stop and take a moment and make sure that our management teams are taking the time to understand how these problems can mushroom and affect beyond the moment, beyond this, you know, this initial report. You need to make sure that the management teams are 
understanding the people that are around them, do, you know, additional training, you know, take a, a day of training to just make sure they understand this is how this group functions. This is what this group needs. You know, this is the latest headline that is affecting, you know, this sector of the people in the company. And you need to understand how to have appropriate conversations around that. Taking the time to make sure that your management team is equipped to lead the people is so important especially when you're trying to keep up, you know, with, you know, social, you know, economic impacts, you know, to them on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, how it's, because really at the end of the day, when you think about, you know, events that happened, you know, like the killing of the, the death of George Floyd and, and, and Tamir Rice and things like this, you have people, you know, that are coming into work distressed about that. And guess what? That day, they're not going to be their most authentic self. You're coming into work and, and then conversely, you, you know, you have women coming into work that look at our first black, you know, vice president, dear God, and she's a female, you know, and they're, they wanted, you know, to, to discuss that and talk about ways that we can continue that empowerment that is felt through that appointment, you know, and what kind of, what kind of class can I take, you know, to, to get me, you know, to that next level or, you know, get that kind of, you know, record, I mean, just, you have to talk about the good and the bad that comes with it, but it's the management teams that ultimately need to be responsible for making sure they're aware of how they need to interact with their employees, how they need to treat them, how they need to be sensitive to them, not only for work, but also their home life. Yeah, uh, I really like the fact that you raised the whole uh, uh, ERG's employee resource group as a resource yeah. for organizations. And that a lot of times... Uh, and a, a lot of people look at ERGs, employee resource groups, as affinity groups, like just social groups, instead of looking at them as a key resource to tap into for the development of the organization. They really, I feel like in some ways, are the heartbeat of an organization that will can sometimes make a break you know, the company culture and morale, you know, that, 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 that's going on. They really have the insight on what keeps the trains moving, you know, what people are talking about and really what could be the next big thing, you know, for the company to tap into, you know, that would maybe increase, you know, and, and not only employee morale, but, you know, add employees to the, co to the company, you know, addressing, you know, maybe a certain, you know, uh, skill set that's missing that, you know, could add on, you know, to the company itself. You know, it just, it's not, a, a, it, I don't think employee resource groups should ever be dismissed as, you know, something that people are using as a sounding board, you know, for whatever complaint or, or, or issue that they have, but they should also be seen as a resource, as a hub that people go to to make sure that they're addressing issues that matter, that are important to the company, both personally and professionally. And this is not me, this is me not being trapped and versed in all of it, but just, you know, the, the understanding that they, they really do have the ear of the people and management, you know, what they're doing is important. They, they may not have the time to always commit, you know, to, to, to having that ear. So the employee resource group is that gateway for them to do that to have that connection to the people and it should not be dismissed. It should not be taken lightly. Yes, we should all um, 
all companies should take advantage uh, uh, of using the resources that the employee resource groups have to offer uh, in terms of feedback, as you stated, and in terms of uh, inspiration, like helping to direct the, uh, the company. Uh, like you said, those groups can be innovative as well as identifying great talent, as you stated, because um, a lot of a lot of talent goes <laughs> underutilized because people don't know that they exist, you know, so um, I, I'm glad you uh, mentioned that. So um, tell me, you know, when we talk about women of color finding joy at work. What is the key message that you want women to know as well as what do you want, what would you encourage them to do to find joy at work? Wow. For me, it was really finding joy, you know, if, uh, at work meant, uh, for me, meant building relationships with people, you know, and, and even taking the time to mentor and I didn't think, I didn't consider it mentoring at the time, but, you know, somebody that's, you know, kind of new to the game and uh, new to the company. You're, I found myself finding, you know, uh, taking the time to express to them why they should love it the way that I love it. You know, why, you know, they should look at it in, in from this lens, you know, versus that lens, you know, and watching their projects, their individual projects come to life based on, you know, the information that I gave them. You know, I found joy in mentoring. I found joy in educating myself about the mechanics of some of the passion projects that I had going on, you know, in diversity, equity, inclusion, or, you know, women in construction, you know, just researching and educating myself on that that also really just got me so excited because it's like from there, my creative juices were going. And then I, you know, I would start thinking about how I can add here and who I could bring in here. And then the connection would happen from there. It just became this kind of, you know, mushroom of a thing. And that allowed me to not focus on the, the environment itself. It allowed me to not, you know, really just pay too much attention to those conversations that weren't so good. Those com those comments that weren't, that may have been negative. It just, I blocked it out because I was too busy doing this. I was too busy getting ready to, you know, empower a whole bunch of people through this group right here. You know, I'm getting ready to have a one-on-one, -on -one, you know, with one of my counterparts and you know, we're, we're getting ready to discuss how we're going to present our plan, you know, to the powers that be and how it's going to work. I found joy through relationships with other people that ultimately were as passionate as I was about what it is that we were doing and not using it, you know, as a way to just, you know, spread gossip or, you know, and, and talk about things negatively. Cause at the end of the day, the work doesn't stop just because you're in a you're having a bad time or a bad day. My mom used to say, or she still says that the world don't stop because you have problems. You still need to get through that. So don't use that time that, you know, to, to just be excessively negative. You can acknowledge the problem, but at because hmm. it's not good, it does exist. But at the same time, you also need to put yourself to be a part of the solution, whatever that is. 
So if that means getting, you know, some people on board with you, if that means, you know, going to, you know, uh, your HR team to, you know, bring some issues to light, fine. But at the same time, don't dwell in that problem. Go back to the thing that, you know, brought you there that, to that space in the first place, the people, the idea, you know, the project itself, and why, what made you excited about that. And let's let's use that as a means to get through you know, and, uh, and, and uh, or use that as a means to the path for finding your joy. So, Ebony, um, we here at the Empowerment Zone are big advocates for college success. Mm. Uh, and so um, we always like to promote strategies for students to be successful in college. Could you please tell us uh, if you did attend college and what colleges did you attend? What were your majors, your degrees? And then what strategy would you give students to ensure that they are successful in college? So uh, radio and uh, broadcast journalism. That is what started for me in college. That's where I, I, that's where I found my joy of really connecting with people, believe it or not. And that was at City College. I did uh, business management at Strayer uh, and project management at Villanova University. And then I also received a certified professional training management uh, certification. Here's what I would say to students, uh, either thinking about college or currently in college. It is okay to not know exactly where you want to end up, but at the same time, you should definitely take a real hard-nosed truth, come to Jesus moment assessment of what it is that you like, what it is that you love. Sometimes your passion doesn't necessarily translate into uh, an actual job. Your passion could just be the thing that you do as a hobby for you, just you. But the thing that you're most great at, start there. Start there and building on uh, and building a receipt, a resume of sorts on how you know you can use the thing that you love to do the most and translate that into uh, a position. Go to a counselor that can put you on the right path to where you can take that particular skill, and they can show you what areas, what jobs that this skill is most utilized in. Do that before you, you know, try to take a whole bunch of classes that, you know, may 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 waste your time or may kind of set you back either time-wise or with money. Assess yourself before you go. Make sure that, you know, you you understand, you know, the difference between you know, your skill sets and uh, be they technical or soft, understand, you know, what they mean and how they can translate into the into really good opportunities for you. How you can, what skills and, that you would need to elevate what it is that you already know. And also the most efficient and, and effective way to do that, whether it's online, whether you need to be in person, whether it's just a trade that you need to take, because sometimes college isn't for everybody. But if you understand exactly the path that you, you know, that, that you want to start, 
or at least where you, you know, uh, uh, the place that you want to go, you can find somebody that can help guide you through that process. Do that first before you make the investment. Love that great advice. Make an internal assessment of of your talents and what you want to do and where you want to go, but also seek that great counsel that will help you make good decisions. Uh, Thank you so much for that great advice. Ebony, it's great having you on the Empowerment Zone. A special thank you to the incredible team of the Empowerment Zone. Terry Gully, theme song, NADWorks, digital support, and of course, our featured guest, 